0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick, the place to stay updated and educated. This is Tech Guide, episode 456. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated every week about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Stephen Fennick, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the latest incentives to drive electric vehicle sales. Telstra has doubled the number of blocked calls to now 13 million a month. And it's the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we'll reveal how they came up with some of the iconic sound effects. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new Skullcandy in-ear wireless headphones that are less than $100. Ikea and Sonos have partnered to produce a frame that's also a Wi-Fi speaker. And Norton's new game optimizer lets you level up your performance while staying safe. And your tech guide questions will also be answered in the tech guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected. And Norton, the company that keeps you protected. the New South Wales government are going to announce some serious incentives to drive electric vehicle sales. Within the next few months, uh, September, I think, is going to be the time when anyone purchasing an electric car, electric vehicle, priced $78,000 or cheaper, will incur no stamp duty. So that, straight off the bat, you're going to save around 12 to 1300 bucks but also announced too is another another incentive a rebate so if you are one of the first 25,000 electric vehicle customers so if you buy if you're within one of you one of the first 25,000 people to buy an electric vehicle in New South Wales that is $68,000 or cheaper you'll also get a $3,000 rebate. So um, you'll potentially receive the 1200 to $1,300 uh, saving on the stamp duty and a $3,000 rebate. So do the sums there, nearly 5000 five thousand, four and a half thousand dollars almost of savings. Now, this is part of the New South Wales state government budget, the state budget that's going to be announced this week. And part of a big and ambitious $490 million plan, the goal for the New South Wales government is to make New South Wales the cheapest place to buy and operate an electric vehicle. Uh, the This is designed, of course, to encourage customers to purchase an electric car. I myself, anyone who's been listening to the Tech Guide podcast for the last three years, knows that... I drive an electric car. I, I have a Tesla Model S, and I've been driving that car for just over three years now. I'm going to be preparing a three-year look back at owning the car in the next week or so, but I am a very happy customer, no no problem at all going electric. I have my own charger here at home. I have solar panels and a battery. And I do make use of the Tesla superchargers and community chargers around the state. I've driven I've driven all around New South Wales in my car and am able to charge wherever I need. And that brings me to the other side of this plan, and that is to increase the charging infrastructure in New South Wales. So it's one thing to incentivise EVs and encouraging drivers to go electric, But the other side of that coin is you also have to provide places to charge the car as well because it's not just like popping into a petrol station anymore. You are going to have to have the infrastructure in place to be able to look after the increasing number of EV drivers on the road. And that's part of the New South Wales government's plan. They're going to spend $171 million dollars across the state to build out this infrastructure, whether that's going to be suburban and urban uh, charging spots or on the highways and and, and roads around the state, we are yet to learn that. But I think before there can be an increase in the number of EV drivers, especially to the scale that they're aiming for, they're aiming to have, in New South Wales, 50% of all new car sales to be electric by 2031 so that's 10 year target so they by that time they want every they want half or 50% of all cars sold at that time to be electric vehicles so i think we've got a long way to go uh, 10 years is a long time and plenty of time to build out that infrastructure to prepare for this need to for other cars, more and more cars than ever before, to charge their vehicles at the same time. Now, I've heard a lot of people who are a little bit hesitant to go electric because they're worried they won't be able to charge their car. They may live in a big apartment block with, with hundreds of other people. They may not have a, a driveway. They may have to park in the street and, and have nowhere to park to charge it uh, at home or overnight. These are issues that are going to come up that are going to potentially stop people from making this purchase decision to go to buy an electric car. Now, I think the infrastructure required... It's, it's going to have to cater for drivers who are both, uh, who both live in the city, but also those people who want to drive interstate and into the country. So there, there needs to be two sides to this plan. Yes, you need the, the charges to keep you going on your journey, but you also need the charging facilities for you to power your car overnight. That, that's generally, uh, I, this, the stats are, I hear about Tesla drivers, 90% of, of Tesla owners charge their car in their own driveway. They have a charger and they they charge their car overnight. I do that here too. I've got my own charger and I, I top up my, my charge or, 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 uh, or, or just recharge it completely. Sometimes it take takes overnight, but I have that facility if I need to charge it in my own driveway but I do have as I said solar panels and a battery and that that's that's what helps charge my car the other side of that argument too to take it slightly further and this is getting a little bit more political is if if someone intends to buy an EV for the to save money on fuel to have less carbon emissions then I think they need to take responsibility maybe a little bit themselves to work out a way to do this economically and, in, and in, in an environmentally friendly way. So imagine if in 10 years time we all expect to have this electricity suddenly provided to us to charge our cars all at the same time the a lot of people are going to argue that well that's going to take a lot of a lot of power to provide that and potentially creating that power using power, our current power station situation, it's going to require even more carbon emissions because you've got to create the power to supply to the driver to charge their vehicle. Now, I think what should happen is that the the incentive should go even deeper, even further to allow, if you, if you want to buy an EV, you should get some kind of rebate from the government your state government or the federal government whoever is going to provide it to put, to install solar panels and a and a battery so you can provide your own power to not only power your home but also to charge your car because the situation i have here i have plenty of panels on my roof i've got a battery but i'm the only ev driver in my family in say 3 or 4 years time when my wife decides to update her car maybe sooner she may choose to have an EV, and we're faced with a situation where I need to put more panels on my roof, expand my battery storage to accommodate that, because it, it, it is going to be more demand, and that's on top of our existing demands for electricity as well. So there's all of this to negotiate and navigate over the next few years. But the other part of this announcement is that, yes, the government is giving with one hand, but they're also taking with another. And by that, I mean the New South Wales government plans to introduce a new road tax for EV drivers by the year 2027, or once electric vehicles constitute 30% of all new car sales. So whichever of those comes first, if we hit 30% of all new car sales before 2027, this road tax for EVs will be imposed or it'll be from 2027 onwards, regardless of the sales level of sales at that time. And this road user charge will be 2.5 cents per kilometre for electric vehicle drivers. Now, you, why, at, at when I first heard of this, I'm thinking, why? why should the EV drivers be penalised? But think at how it works today. If you're driving a petrol vehicle, You are a large portion of what you pay for your fuel goes to the government. A large portion goes to the government in taxes to maintain the roads and infrastructure for us to use. And so, EV drivers naturally don't use fuel. And this figure, this tax, is suddenly going to shrink if everyone, if, if more people are uh, adopting EVs, less people are buying fuel, therefore less tax to the government. And so this EV, this road tax, has to be made up in other ways, in other forms. And that's where this road tax will come into play. If you are an average driver, if you the average, I think, distance we drive is fifteen thousand kilometres per year. If you work it out, two point five cents per kilometre, that works out at three. Three hundred and fifty dollars, So it's like a little extra charge maybe on your rego every year. The Victorian government are actually introducing this road user tax of 2.5 cents per kilometre from July 1 this year. So talk about a state that is not really incentivising the, the use of EVs, adoption of EVs. New South Wales at least are going to give you some carrot with the waiving of the stamp duty if the car's worth under $78,000 but eventually going to introduce this tax at least there's some some a period of a grace period where you build up the numbers of drivers who are adopting EVs before you drop the tax on them but no not in victoria from july 1 of this year i'm talking in a week and a half is when that road user tax of 2.5 cents per kilometer for EV drivers will come into force interesting story here with EVs I think uh, we've got a long way to go here for electric electric cars and you've got to remember electric cars the one of the barriers of entry I think for a lot of a lot of drivers is they're expensive. My Tesla Model Model S is is well over seventy eight thousand dollars, so I wouldn't I wouldn't qualify for this. But I think you can spec up a Model Three with pretty a, a pretty basic version of the Model Three for under seventy eight thousand dollars, and that could qualify. You would then qualify for no stamp duty as well. And you would also, you would even potentially qualify for the rebate because you probably could spec it up for under 68000 as well. But there are plenty of other models from uh, car companies like MG, Hyundai, Audi, Mercedes Benz, Volvo, Every, everyone is electrifying their cars. So there will be a lot more EVs on the road, but they are still quite expensive and out of the reach of your, your average driver. An example is the MG EV, which I reviewed on Tech Guide a few months ago. It is the EV version of that car is about fifty thousand dollars. The non-EV, so the petrol version of that exact same car is nearly twenty thousand dollars cheaper. So there's a premium still for EV to for electric vehicles in Australia. There are some some parts of the world where you're mad not to drive an EV because of all the, the, the incentives and benefits of, of doing that. Well like you look in the Scandinavian countries, there are they're up to I think 50% of, of drivers who are driving electric cars in Australia. The, there is less than 1% of new car sales were EV. So we have a very, very long way to go. But this incentive from the New South Wales government, you, you never know, could be copied around the country. But New South Wales are taking the lead here with the hope that it will encourage more people to drive electric vehicles. If you want to read more about that story, about the incentives and the stamp duty rebate, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. I'm sure some of you may have received, I'm pretty sure nearly all of you may have received at one time or the other, a scam call, whether it's on your mobile or your home phone. Every time my home phone rings, unless it's a radio interview that I've already teed up, if if it rings when I'm not doing a radio interview, I'm thinking this is someone trying to sell me something or going to try to scam me. I automatically think that. But that isn't limited to landlines. A lot of scam calls also coming through to mobile phones. In fact, a lot of these bastards use this spoofing software, this number spoofing, which means that they can make it appear that the call that's coming into your phone is a local number. They could be ringing you from Russia or the Ukraine or Europe or America, anywhere, and it would appear to be a local mobile number or a Melbourne number or a Sydney number. And naturally, you're more likely to answer that call than you would a big, long, complicated international number. So hence the reason why they're doing that. But the good news is Telstra have doubled down on its efforts to block more than 13 million scam calls on average per month from reaching customers. And that is twice as many calls blocked from just three months ago. Three months ago, we spoke to you when they had 6.5 million calls blocked on average as part of their Cleaner Pipes initiative, which is using their own technology, their own platform to detect and block these scam calls before they can even get through the network to the customer. Phone scams have already, just in 2021 alone, already cost Australians $25 million, and at that pace... It is going, it is on track to go over last year's total of forty-eight million dollars that was lost to scam calls back then. So we're we're on track to exceed fifty million this year, which is unfortunately more than last year. They're still they're still getting through. Despite this blocking technology, some are still getting through. Telstra's blocking way more calls than any other telco thanks to this platform that they've built in-house by the way that can detect and block these calls. Now, the platform can monitor all the popular types of scam calls including one that's called Wangiri which is another name for another name for that is the one ring scam. Now, what that involves is an international number. What happens? This big, long international number is, is comes into your phone, one ring, and they hang up. Now, for a lot of people, their curiosity gets the better of them, and they ring that number back, wondering, what is this? Who is this? And the person at the other end of the line talks to them, tries to keep them on the line as long as possible, because what they don't realize is this number that they've just called is a very expensive premium service number that's charged at ridiculous amounts per minute. So what happens, the person at the other end naturally wants to keep you on the line for 10 minutes, it could cost you hundreds of dollars just that one phone call. So be very careful, a a number from an international number that you don't recognize, rings once, hangs up, leave it alone. Don't call that number. It could cost you a lot of money. I already spoke about numbers that are that are they use number spoofing to uh, to detect to to pretend to be a local number or from the ATO or from Telstra or wherever. Again, keep the antennas up for these types of calls because. Uh, it is unusual for a customer to receive a call directly from the ATO, directly from Telstra. So be very, very careful. Even if it looks official, it might not be. In fact, here are five things to watch out for to protect yourself. Like I said, if it it looks like an incoming call is from a legitimate business or even a government organisation, don't be convinced that it's real because it might be a number spoofing. If the caller is pressuring you and making you think, making you feel that there's an urgent matter that needs to be resolved. Be very, very suspicious of these types of call. Hang up and search online for the official number of that particular organization. Also too, take note of the time of day that you're receiving these calls. It's very, very unusual for a business to call you after hours and on weekends. So if you are receiving calls at those times, be very, very suspicious. It's probably a scam. Now, even if, if an unknown number or even a trusted brand that appears to be a trusted brand is trying to call you repeatedly, this is a classic sign of a scam call. They're trying to get you on the line, trying to confirm that your number is real as well. Often these are just random calls. If you, you answer the phone, you, they, they'll first of all realize your number is real. And second of all, it'll make your number more valuable because it's confirmed by you answering it that it is real, unfortunately. But here's the fifth and final and the golden rule. If it sounds too good to be true, it most definitely is. If someone's trying to call you about an opportunity or winning a prize It's a scam, so be very, very careful. But good to see that Telstra are doing their best to try to block most of these calls. Some are still getting through, but you know what? Far less than ever before. You want to read more about the Telstra number, scam number blocking? You can check it out, techguide.com.au. Can you believe it is 40 years since the release of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was 1981. I remember seeing this. I was a young teenager. I'm giving my age away there. I saw it at the Paramount Cinema in George Street in Sydney. And I remember the day like it was yesterday. It was just this incredible movie from Lucasfilms, the same people who brought you the Star Wars films. In fact, George Lucas is uh, co-wrote the story. Directed by Steven Spielberg, of course, and it has gone down in history as one of the greatest movies of all time. The 40th anniversary, and to celebrate, they've released it on 4K Ultra HD. In fact, if you go to the Tech Guide website or either to our Facebook page, the Tech Guide Facebook page, I am running a competition for you to win a 65-inch LG C1 2021 OLED TV valued at $5,400. And you can also win... A Indiana Jones hat from Dorfman Pacific, and the 4K box set. So that's the major prize, but there are runners-up prizes of the 4K box set. Click on the... Uh, if you go to our te- our website, click on the word competition in the menu bar at the top of the page, and that'll take you straight to the entry page, and you can go in the running to win that great prize. Or if you go to... Uh, if you look for techguide.com.au on Facebook, you uh, like our page, and you can also like the post... And there's a link also to enter the competition from there as well. But I also ran a story on Tech Guide uh, about the sounds of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it is rather fascinating. We uh, heard from legendary sound designer Ben Burt and John Roche. Now, Ben Burt is a a legend in the sound effects and sound engineering industry. He was also the guy who came up with all those original sound effects for the Star Wars trilogy back in the day. So he is an absolute god. He's an he's an Oscar-winning sound designer, and he was also part, of course, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, there is a video on our story on Tech Guide for you to watch. you watch Ben Burton and John Roche t- talking about how they came up with the sounds of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some of those iconic sound effects. How did they do it? This is fascinating how they did it, right? I'm going to go through a few now. The first is, now in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, for anyone, I'm sure you've all seen it. It's 40 years old. You've seen it for sure. There are there's a few scenes where I think there's one scene where Indiana Jones, aka Harrison Ford, is fighting uh, in, I think there's a big, big guy, there's a plane, and they're trying to load the Ark on this plane. Anyway, big fist fight goes on a L- lot, of, lot of times where Indiana Jones is, is battling other people. The sound effects for the punches, how they came up with that for the punches and body blows in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that sound was created in a couple of ways. One was using a croquet ball in a sock and swung a, into a large bag of plant mix. So that thud is a croquet ball hitting the plant mix. The other way, and this was to recreate sounds of a face punch, was by using a wet chamois wrapped around celery. So what they did is they struck the wet chamois with a bit of wood, and that sort of gave you the smushy sound of flesh being impacted. And then the crack of the celery underneath also gave gave that sound as well because the the cracking sound to go with the smoosh sound w- sounded like a punch rather it's that's quite funny. Moving on though there is another there is another this this Indiana Jones a famous scene where, and Indiana Jones hates snakes. The very one of the early scenes where there's a snake in the plane as he's making his escape and he, he reveals, I hate snakes. And when they get into the well of souls, the, I think one of the characters is, why does the floor move? And, and the reason it is is because there are snakes everywhere. And what Ben Burtt did to recreate the sound of snakes hissing and slithering over the top of each other was use his wife Peggy's macaroni and cheese. So the the hissing slithering sounds was the the cooking sounds of the macaroni and cheese, and then putting the macaroni and cheese into a pot that was the that was the slithering over each other. That was the sound that was created for those snakes. Can you believe that? There's also a scene too where when when Marion and Indiana Jones get on the tramp steamer. So when they're taking trying to take the the ark back before the Germans arrive in their submarine. Indiana Jones is trying to sort of get some rest, and Marion, or she swings, swings a mirror up and hits him, hits him in the in the chin. That sound of of the mirror hitting him in the chin was actually created with uh, by hitting the lid of a trash can with a bass drumstick. So this is rather large sound, but my favourite. The opening at the end of the movie. Look, spoiler alert! It, you've, you've had forty years to watch it. They open the Ark of the Covenant. It's opened in this special ceremony at the end of the film, and the sound to give to give the prop some weight. Apparently, the prop was this giant gold-looking prop was made of plastic and fiberglass, so it wasn't it wasn't gold and heavy, but to sound to give it. The sound like it had some weight. They had to create this scraping sound of the lid being lifted and removed, and the sound that that they created was from a toilet tank bowl cover. So the you know the the lid of a toilet cistern that was taken. It was Ben Bird's own toilet. And they, they took that, the top of the tank, scraped it over a rock to create that sliding heavy sound of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant being opened. Can you believe that? As Ben Burt said, it might be a little blasphemous to admit, but the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was actually a toilet lid being scraped. Incredible. I love this movie, and on 4K, it looks amazing. Heaps of special features, all behind-the-scenes stuff, including the sound of Indiana Indiana Jones as well. The 40th anniversary. Be sure to enter our competition. You might not only win a box set, the Indiana Jones 4K box set, But you could also win yourself a lovely LG TV as well. So head to our Tech Guide Facebook page or click the word competition in the menu bar of our website and you could be a lucky winner receiving an email from me telling you you might have won a television. But the Raiders of the the Lost Ark sounds, if you want to watch the video and also read our story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private online plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off our reviews this week, we've got a bit of a bargain for you here. This is some wireless in-ear headphones, earphones, I should say, from Skullcandy. Now, in-ear headphones, very popular product. You can spend as much as $600 on these things. Of course, those, those are going to sound amazing. But there are also some budget alternatives for you to choose from, including the Skullcandy Dime Black earphones. Now, these are these are sixty they're, they're Dime Back, not, not Black. Dime Backs. And Dime is a good name for them because they're, uh, they're quite cheap. And, but yet, despite that price, they also offer pretty reasonable quality as well. I think if you're, if you're on a budget and you still want to enjoy the convenience of having wire-free earphones, then the Skullcandy Dime Backs are a great choice. Sixty nine ninety five. They have that same look of other earbuds, earbud brands, with the the little bud, tiny little stalk that that comes out of your ear, and they all come the two the two earphones come in a tiny charging case, which is small enough. It does have a little attachment. You can even put it on a key ring. It's so small. It's about the size of a of a car key. You know, the car key with the alarm button, alarm or the locking button, uh, unlock and locking buttons, and the boot open the boot button, it's about that big. It's actually smaller than that. So have a look at your set of car keys, which uh, maybe you may be driving in your car right now. Imagine the charging case for the Skull Skullcandy Dimebacks to be even smaller than that. Now, in terms of sound quality, I've got to say for a $70 pair of earphones, they punch well above their weight. Very impressive, respectable sound, even with decent bass as well. You're thinking... If someone said, look, just tell me how much you'd expect to pay for this, you'd say $200, 299 but they do sound pretty good. Skullcandy, they're, they're a, a well-known brand when it comes to headphones and earphones, and they've taken their their knowledge and, and brought it down into a more affordable product. And there's even controls on the outside. So if you want to press, you press to play uh, and press to pause your music. And if, if you press it once, it'll pause. Press it again, it'll play it again. But similar features that you'd expect to find on more expensive earphones but in terms of sound quality look don't expect these to be better than the boy the Bose noise cancelling earphones or the Sony the latest Sony in-ear noise cancelling earphones these don't have noise cancellation they may have a little bit of passive noise cancellation with the the earbud but that they are not noise cancelling earphones that that's the technology that is not on board here so in terms of audio quality they're great you, you can answer your phone with them, but the quality of your phone calls isn't going to be that good because there's no noise cancellation. The microphone is good, not great. So keep that in mind. But in terms of just being able to listen, these are really great bang for your buck. I, uh, I think they offer some tremendous value. There is, as I said, microphone as well. Not going to give you the best experience on your call. It's not going to sound pretty as good as other earphones but still not too bad nonetheless. They're also water and sweat resistance as well. So if you want to take this to the gym, you can train up a storm and not worry about damaging them because they are water resistant. Uh, Same thing if you're caught in the rain, you are going to be okay there as well. Uh, in, In fact, I think if you lose or break the earphones, the, the skull Candy says they'll replace it at a discount, so you you'll pay less than seventy dollars to either replace it, uh, to to uh to get a whole a new pair of earphones. So, what do you got to lose? Uh, these these are affordable. They sound pretty good. They are, are, are right in. I think for a lot of a lot of customers who maybe their their child maybe wants a pair of earphones, their young teenage child. What are you going to buy them? $300, $400 AirPod Pros? If you can, good luck to you. You're doing very well. But for others, these will do the trick. You don't need to spend big money to enjoy a decent sound. That's exactly what Skull Candy has demonstrated with the new Dime Back earphones. You want to read more about those? Check it out techguide.com.au. Ikea and Sonos have partnered once again to produce an audio product. And this isn't the first time that they've joined forces either. This is the second time that they've made an announcement around this, the latest announcement, which is the Symphonisk picture frame. And this, you look at this and you think, okay, that looks pretty decorative. That looks pretty nice. But what you're looking at also happens to be a Wi-Fi speaker as well. And so not only can you fill your room with sound, you can also decorate it with a work of art as well. I love how IKEA and Sonos are working together here because previously they produced a lamp speaker. So it's a lamp and it's also a speaker. They also introduced a bookshelf speaker. So it could literally sit on a bookshelf, but it's also a speaker. So positioning it is, is a snap. These were introduced back in 2019, so a couple of years ago. So this this partnership with IKEA and Sonos has continued. And the latest is this new picture frame Wi-Fi speaker, Symphonisk. That's spelled S-Y-M-F-O-N-I-S-K. I I love the names that IKEA comes up with its products. But this is a picture frame Wi-Fi speaker that blends into your home like a work of art. You can either have a black frame or a white frame, and there are interchangeable faces to give you a bit of variety. So you might want a a design or a colour and you're able to change it out, swap it out to suit the room or maybe just to change it up every now and again so something looks a bit, a little bit different. But it's still a Wi-Fi speaker. Now, the beauty of this, if you're a Sonos customer, if you've got existing Sonos system in your home, this will fit in with that system. It can be part of your multi-room setup. So the Sonos app will recognize this speaker as part of your existing Sonos system, as it will with the others that were introduced a couple of years ago, the lamp speaker and the bookshelf speaker. They are also can be incorporated into your existing Sonos multi-room system, or they can be, or they can be a standalone. That's up to you. Um, that noise you hear is my Arlo doorbell. I'm sure someone here is going to answer the door instead of me. So yeah, the Symphonisk is not, not going to be available in the US till July. It's going to be available in Europe and the US from July, it's expected to go on sale in Australia in 2022. So you might have to wait a little bit unless you know someone in Europe or the US who can send it to you, or you may even buy it from the IKEA sites from July in Europe and the US maybe pay for shipping up to you. But if you're waiting for it to come to Australia, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait until next year. I know there's a lot of people who really enjoy their gaming and the the thing with a gamer, if you're a competitive gamer, you're playing online, what you try to do is to gain every possible advantage and whether that's from having dedicated keyboard and mouse to the headset to even a gaming chair or a gaming desk that can give you the ideal setup, there are still other ways to improve the performance. Now, Norton LifeLock, Norton is uh, one of the sponsors of our show here, they've unveiled a new software called the Game Optimizer. Now, this is a new feature that can maximize your gaming performance or the performance of your PC by freeing up the PC from programs that are running into the, in the background to maximize the system's performance for your game. Now, Game Optimizer is part of the Norton 360 for gamers package, just been added. And it's a, a real shift for PC gamers. So can reduce those performance interruptions while still maintaining the ever-important level of security that you've come to expect from Norton Lifelock. So result is more immersive, smoother gaming experience achieved by freeing up those power-hungry programs to a single CPU core. Now, the result is the all the available computing power of your system is allocated to the game, so you're getting even better performance. So... The other, good benefit, the other benefit of this too is for that Norton 360 for Gamers customers are also able to optimise notifications and permanently silence non-essential messages so you're not distracted from the game. So last thing you want is this, in, this notification popping up right in the middle of an important part of the game. So that is another thing of the past. Uh, the Norton 360 for Gamers package, if you're really seriously into your gaming, then that is something to consider. Now, another aspect for Norton 360 for Gamers, will they'll also have access to Norton Crypto when it launches in a few weeks. This was currently available as part of Norton LifeLock's early adopter program. And what it does, it allows customers to safely and easily mine cryptocurrency while their devices are idle through the Norton 360 platform. So if you're into your crypto and you're into the crypto mining, uh, I'm sure a lot of you uh, have heard of it. A lot of people have no idea what it is, but there is a facility now through Norton, the Norton crypto. This is a, a preview feature that is coming. So it'll allow you to take advantage of your PC's power while it's idle to and direct it to crypto mining. So you can find, find more crypto, invest in crypto, and have the protection at the same time through the Norton system. Uh, the Norton 360 for Gamers, the, the crypto part of that is also part of the expanded dark web monitoring. Uh, it's going to be available to 13 additional countries uh, for, for gamers in Europe, uh, and which includes Ireland, Switzerland, Austria, Poland, France, Italy, Spain, the Netherlands. So uh, it, it is expanding its dark web monitoring even further. So uh, keep an eye out for that. The Norton 360 for Gamers, it's available for the special price of $69.99 for 12 months. That's actually an $80 saving. So it's, less than, it's now less than half price. So the usual price is $149.99. Now, there's all details of the Norton Game Optimizer at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fannick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi Fi brand. Is your Wi Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming? work, gaming, video calling, and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling, and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by our good mates at Belkin. Belkin offer cables, holders for your for your AirTags, Apple AirTags, a brand new product, and also uh, batteries and speakers, all kinds of accessories for your devices, for your computers, belkin.com forward slash au. I've had a lot of questions recently uh, uh, on behalf of elderly relatives, whether it's parents or other, other relatives, and uh, the, the, those people in question are living alone, and the person who contacts me is concerned that there may be, they may have a fall, they want to be able to help them, they want the, the, the person to have access to maybe a pendant or a way of being protected in the event of a fall. Now, fall detection is something that is now a part of, uh, of, of Apple Watch and also Samsung Galaxy Watch 3, and this is a feature that if the person wearing Apple Watch or Galaxy Watch 3 falls down, the sensors on board will detect that heavy fall and will ask, are you all right? And if you, within a minute you don't respond, then the, the watch so the the, the it needs to be the cellular version of these watches will call emergency services and the person that you nominate from pre before before your fall you've got to nominate that person on your contact list as well so in the event I, I bought an apple watch for my dad and if he has a fall I will get the call I'll receive a phone call it'll it'll not only tell me that, that my father has fallen and hasn't responded but it will also give me his location, as well as calling Triple O for assistance as well. Now, you think of this feature, and it's not just for elderly people. This is a feature that anyone can use. Imagine you're hiking in the middle of nowhere, and you have a fall, you, and you you can't you, you lose consciousness, or something happens, and you can't respond to the to the to tell the watch that you're okay. Then your location can also be shared as well as the notification, notifying emergency services. Imagine you're in the middle of nowhere. The watch will locate you. It will tell them where you are, which is a remarkable feature. The other option, I think, for uh, elderly people is to have a fall pendant. So whether it's a, a little monitor that they clip to their, their pants or their shirt or uh, an actual pendant that they wear around their neck. So if they do have a fall if, and they can't get up, they can at least press the button which will then engage to contact loved ones and also contact emergency services as well. So the the in, the technology is improving for these devices. The fall detection, the uh, pendants, and the and the little monitors, the clip-on monitors, they all have uh, 4G connectivity, so they can work even if you don't have Wi-Fi. Uh, as does Apple Watch, that that'll work if you have the uh, the SIM, the cellular version. So it does replicate the phone number of your iPhone. Uh, that's the thing with having an Apple Watch. For you to use this feature, you do need to have an an iPhone as well. So you can't just buy the Apple Watch for your elderly relative. They they need to have an iPhone nearby as well. But if you want to, we've written about fall detection and Apple Watch uh, and its features, and also those pendants on Tech Guide. But it is an amazing feature. Uh, hopefully, one that you'll never use. But it's good to know that it is there if you do need it. And that's a wrap for episode 456 of the Tech Guide podcast. If you need to find out about anything more that we've spoken about, you'll find it all at techguide.com.au. And be sure to enter our competition to win an LG OLED TV and the Indiana Jones 4K box set. You can either go to the Tech Guide Facebook page or click on the word competition in the menu bar at the top of the Tech Guide website. Uh, if you want to touch, get in touch with us, uh, you want to ask us a question, you may even be featured on the Tech guide help desk, we'd love to receive an email from you, info at techguide.com.au or you can just press the Ask Stephen icon. Uh, on the homepage and the email will get through to me as well. We want to also give a shout out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the sponsors that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.